This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of TKA stiffness from the recon section on orthobullets.com. TKA stiffness is defined as a flexion contracture of 10 to 15 degrees and or flexion less than 90 degrees. Incidence of TKA stiffness is 1.3% to 12%. As far as risk factors, we'll go over preoperative factors, technical factors, and postoperative factors. Preoperative factors include poor preoperative range of motion, which is the most important factor, patella baja, increased medical comorbidities, and a low pain tolerance. Technical factors include overstuffing the patellofemoral joint, malrotation, tight flexion and or extension gaps, joint line elevation, and or excessive tightening of the extensor mechanism during closure. Keep in mind that closure and flexion as opposed to extension may limit this complication. And finally, another technical risk factor includes a tight PCL in a cruciate retaining prosthesis. Postoperative risk factors include delayed rehabilitation, infection, heterotopic ossification, and or hamstring spasms. Keep in mind that TKA stiffness from postoperative factors usually resolves within six months. As far as the presentation of TKA stiffness, patients typically have symptoms of difficulty kneeling. On physical exam, be sure to check preoperative range of motion from the records. As far as imaging, radiographs should be obtained to rule out prosthesis malposition or alignment. A CT scan can also be obtained to rule out prosthesis malposition or alignment. Other studies that you may obtain include serum labs, specifically an ESR and CRP, as you must rule out infection. Treatment of TKA stiffness can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes manipulation under anesthesia, and the indications include flexion less than 90 degrees within the first 12 weeks of operation, however timing is controversial. Keep in mind that over-aggressive manipulation can lead to fracture and or extensor mechanism disruption. Contraindications to manipulation under anesthesia include stiffness greater than three months postoperatively as manipulation is associated with a greater risk and lower benefit. Operative options for TKA stiffness include arthroscopic lysis of adhesions with manipulation under anesthesia, and this is indicated when there's persistent late stiffness, and another option is a revision total knee arthroplasty, which is indicated when there are identifiable technical causes for stiffness. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 60-year-old woman undergoes a total knee arthroplasty for end-stage osteoarthritis. Preoperative knee range of motion is 5 to 100 degrees. Postoperatively, she experiences reduced range of motion. She is scheduled to undergo manipulation under anesthesia. In which of the following scenarios is this procedure best indicated? And the choices are 1. Knee range of motion 0 to 60 degrees at 2 months postoperatively. 2. Knee range of motion 0 to 60 degrees at 8 months postoperatively. 3. Knee range of motion 30 to 120 degrees at 2 months postoperatively. 4. Knee range of motion 30 to 120 degrees at 8 months postoperatively. And 5. Knee range of motion 30 to 120 degrees at 2 weeks postoperatively. The correct answer to this question is 1. Knee range of motion 0 to 60 degrees at 2 months postoperatively. So manipulation under anesthesia can achieve the greatest gains in flexion when performed for patients with less than 90 degrees of flexion within the first 3 months. To quickly review, there are many risk factors for postoperative stiffness, the most important being preoperative stiffness. Manipulation under anesthesia is indicated when flexion is less than 90 degrees. Flexion gains are generally greater when applied early, 
defined as 6 to 12 weeks postoperatively, rather than late defined as greater than 12 weeks postoperatively. In cases with late presenting stiffness that is greater than 12 weeks, manipulation under anesthesia may still be attempted. Failed manipulation under anesthesia is addressed with arthroscopic or open adhesiolysis, plus or minus manipulation under anesthesia, quadriceps plasty, or component revision. NAMBA et al. compared the results of early that is less than 90 days versus late that is greater than 90 days manipulation under anesthesia. They found that one, knee flexion improved a mean of 32 degrees and 20 degrees after early and late manipulation under anesthesia respectively. Two, extension improved in the early manipulation under anesthesia group, but not the late manipulation under anesthesia group. And three, pain improved after early but not late manipulation under anesthesia. Despite early manipulation under anesthesia being more desirable, the authors state that patients with limited flexion at 6 to 12 months may still benefit from late manipulation under anesthesia. Keating et al. assessed the outcomes of manipulation under anesthesia in 113 knees at a mean of 10 weeks after surgery. They found that 1. 90% of patients achieved improvement in knee flexion of 35 degrees at 5-year follow-up. 2. There was no difference in flexion gains between early, that is less than 12 weeks, and late, that is greater than 12 weeks manipulation under anesthesia. And 3. Patients treated with manipulation under anesthesia had better pain control than those without manipulation under anesthesia. They concluded that manipulation can result in significant and lasting improvement in knee flexion. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old woman undergoes an uncomplicated total knee arthroplasty. Nine months later, she has not yet returned to work because of pain and stiffness. Her range of motion is 5 to 80 degrees. She has no instability, is unable to climb stairs normally, sitting in low chairs is uncomfortable, and she no longer participates in physical therapy. She has pain with prolonged standing. Radiographs show a well-aligned cruciate retaining implant. Workup for infection, including joint aspiration, is negative. What is the next step in management? And the choices are 1. Dynamic splinting. 2. Open release of adhesions. 3. Manipulation under anesthesia. 4. Revision to a cruciate sacrificing implant. And 5. Arthroscopic release of adhesions and manipulation. The correct answer to this question is 5. Arthroscopic release of adhesions and manipulation. So arthrofibrosis after total knee arthroplasty affects 1% of patients. 90 degrees of motion allows for most activities, including ascending and descending stairs. Risk factors for postoperative stiffness include preoperative stiffness, younger age, post-traumatic arthritis, and multiple prior surgeries. Whether range of motion is affected by the choice of cruciate retaining versus sacrificing implants is subject to much debate, but has not been shown to be related to arthrofibrosis following total knee arthroplasty. At earlier time points, physical therapy, use of dynamic splinting, and manipulation under anesthesia may be beneficial in restoring motion, but at nine months is unlikely to prove successful. However, the patient has both pain and motion loss and is nine months from her original surgery. Late manipulation may have an increased risk of complications such as fracture or tendon rupture. Moreover, arthroscopy would allow for lysis of adhesions and assessment for other causes of pain and has been shown to be safe and effective following total knee arthroplasty. However, it does carry the risk of infection. Care must be taken not to scratch or otherwise damage implants during surgery. Moving on to the next question. Range of motion after total knee arthroplasty is best described by which of the following statements? And the choices are 1. The principal predictive factor of the postoperative range of motion is the preoperative range of motion. 2. Intraoperative range of motion is not correlated with the postoperative range of motion. 
Three, postoperative stiffness rarely impairs function. Four, excess distal femoral resection with a thick tibial polyethylene is associated with a flexion contracture. And five, inadequate distal femoral resection and a tight posterior capsule are associated with loss of flexion. The correct answer to this question is one, the principal predictive factor of the postoperative range of motion is the preoperative range of motion. So the cause of postoperative stiffness after total knee arthroplasty is multifactorial. Whereas there is no universally accepted definition of stiffness, 90 degrees of flexion is needed to perform tasks such as stair climbing and getting out of a chair, and nearly full extension is necessary for efficient gait. Predictors of postoperative range of motion include preoperative and intraoperative range of motion. Capsule release, ligament release, osteophyte removal, and properly sized components are often necessary to optimize range of motion. Excess distal femoral resection with a thick polyethylene will cause a tight flexion gap and loss of flexion. Inadequate distal femoral resection with retained osteophytes and a tight posterior capsule will lead to a flexion contracture. Moving on to the next question, which of the following statements best describes the outcome of the routine use of continuous passive motion or CPM machines after total knee arthroplasty? And the choices are one, CPM is likely to improve early range of motion and final range of motion. Two, CPM may improve early range of motion, but is unlikely to improve final range of motion. Three, CPM is likely to decrease postoperative pain. Four, CPM is likely to improve extension, but not flexion. And five, CPM is likely to restore quicker ambulatory ability. The correct answer to this question is two, CPM may improve early range of motion, but is unlikely to improve final range of motion. So although CPM machines are used widely in the United States for patients undergoing total knee arthroplasty, the benefit seems to be marginal, if any. Numerous randomized trials have shown that final outcomes after total knee arthroplasty are unaffected by the use of CPM machines postoperatively. Some studies have suggested that use of CPM may improve flexion in the first few weeks, but any short-term benefit from the machine was lost by intermediate-term follow-up. Aside from potential improvement in flexion within the first few postoperative weeks, there does not appear to be any benefit from the machines. There is no improvement in pain, ambulation, or extension. The cost-effectiveness of these machines has been questioned by many authors. Moving on to the next question. A 73-year-old man has stiffness after undergoing primary posterior cruciate ligament retaining total knee arthroplasty 18 months ago. Extensive physiotherapy, dynamic splinting, and manipulations under anesthesia have failed to result in improvement. Examination reveals range of motion from 30 degrees to 60 degrees of flexion. The components are well fixed and the evaluation for infection is negative. In discussing the possibility of revision arthroplasty, the patient should be advised that, and the choices are one, the success of improving range of motion to a functional range of zero degrees to 90 degrees in the literature is between 75 to 80 percent, Two, the preoperative arc of motion will not influence the ultimate range of motion after formal component revision. Three, change from a posterior cruciate ligament retaining to a posterior cruciate ligament substituting design has a much greater chance of success. Four, manipulation under anesthesia will effectively improve range of motion if postoperative stiffness develops following revision. And five, the major postoperative focus will be to regain near full extension. The correct answer to this question is five. The major postoperative focus will be to regain near full extension. So stiffness following primary total knee arthroplasty remains a vexing problem. Treatment options have included extensive physical therapy, 
dynamic splinting, manipulation under anesthesia, arthroscopic arthrolysis, open arthrolysis with polyethylene exchange, and ultimately revision arthroplasty. Results are not as gratifying as would be expected. Babis and Associates performed an open arthrolysis and polyethylene exchange on seven patients who were followed for a mean of 4.2 months. The results were poor. The mean improvement in arc of motion was only 20 degrees. Nichols and Dorr treated 13 patients for stiffness. Only 40% of those patients obtained good to excellent results. Four patients, or 30% of patients, required manipulation because of recurrent stiffness postoperatively. They noted they could not predictably improve the arc of motion with the revision operation. Hajdukovic and associates reported on 15 patients who underwent revision of well-fixed components after total knee arthroplasty for stiffness. Of the 15 patients, 10 or 66% of patients were satisfied with the outcome revision. Interestingly, they noted that in patients for whom the total arc of motion did not improve, but who regained near full extension, there was a greater amount of satisfaction with the procedure than for those who did not regain full extension. And moving on to the final question, stiffness can occur following total knee arthroplasty. What is the most appropriate management for a patient who has deteriorating arc of motion after undergoing a revision knee arthroplasty nine months ago? And the choices are one, aggressive physical therapy, two, manipulation under anesthesia, three, investigation for periprosthetic infection, four, revision knee arthroplasty, and five, resection arthroplasty. The correct answer to this question is three, investigation for periprosthetic infection. So stiffness following total knee arthroplasty can be a disabling condition. There are many reasons for loss of knee motion following total knee arthroplasty. Technical errors such as overstuffing of the patella, malpositioning of the components, and ligamentous imbalance are all known to result in stiffness following total knee arthroplasty. In some patients with a possible genetic predisposition, aggressive arthrofibrosis may develop and result in loss of knee motion. In any patient who has deteriorating knee motion, particularly after revision arthroplasty, deep infection should be ruled out. Although, on occasion, surgical intervention may be required to address knee stiffness, the outcome of revision surgery is poor if no reason for stiffness can be determined. That's all for this review about TKA stiffness. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.